0: this is Sylvia Dixon, recording from Toledo, Ohio. And this is
1: Jade Wanamaker, recording from Dallas, Texas. And you're listening to our podcast, What Didn't Kill Me.
0: (laughs) Very cool uh, introduction there.
1: Was it because that was definitely a fuck up because I wasn't sure if I said it right. (laughs) (laughs) And then I said the F word,
0: so Mm -hmm. we're going to have to get rid of the F word.
1: Yeah.
0: Although we say the F-word before on these things, Daryl just puts it as, you know, the warnings that there may be cussing.
1: Okay. You could always put, like, a quack over me. (laughs)
0: Quack. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you said that at the same time. (laughs) So What the (laughs) quack? So it's been a minute since we've uh, done some recordings.
1: Yes, it has. It's been quite a second.
0: But uh, we're back. Hopefully on a steady schedule. Yes. And um, I don't know, I just, for a, a week there, it's not like I was really pushing for a recording. And then now that I found this and a couple other uh stories, that I'm kind of amped up now. It's like I can't wait now to tell these stories.
1: Right, you found some inspiration and motivation.
0: Yep, by falling down the YouTube rabbit hole, as my husband puts it.
1: As you should.
0: (laughs) So, is there any business or news you want to share before we start, uh, get going here? Um, nope, not at the moment. Alrighty. I don't think I have any business or anything right now, so I guess we'll just dive right in.
1: Okie dokie. I'm excited to hear what you've brought in today.
0: So, did you sneak a peek at the pictures? No, I am very good. You're a good girl? Yes. Okay. So, real quickly, I want to recap that uh, some of the listeners are people that know, uh, me and you, know that when it comes to children, in situations, I'm very cautious. I'm one of those people that can't watch uh, movies or scenes where children are, are dying or die or anything like that. And being into true crime, I don't know if you could hear that, but my stomach just growled like crazy. (laughs) i did not hear that (laughs) but um being into true crime and younger i was fine but after i had you and then the rest of your siblings it became more and more and more to where i had to be very careful on the documentaries and the podcasts i listened to you know that involved children because let's face it true crime some of the worst of the true crimes deal with children so,
1: and was that just because you couldn't stomach it, or was that because you were worried that one of us would
0: overhear? It wasn't so much that you guys would overhear. It was to me, children and animals are precious and are innocent of, of all innocent, you know. They're just, you know, they, they, I love all children, I love all animals, you know, and the idea that, you know, these documentaries and these podcasts, we're not talking about something fake. Because usually if it's a movie or a TV show, I can wait a while and let it sink in and watch the makings of and, you know, tell myself, okay, it's just a show. It's just a movie. These kids are alive in real life. And I can eventually watch the movie or show, as long as it's not really horribly graphic. But true crime, you don't got that option. It is what it is. So... It just, it breaks my heart and makes me want to grab one of you guys and just hug you guys up and, and just, and I got a very vivid, vivid imagination. So I picture these scenes like I am there and it's, and it's, you know, it's heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. Just my innocent soul can't take it. (laughs) Yeah, innocent, right? But you said it, not me. (laughs) I can't get in trouble. So there are some uh, true crime things that have happened and stories that I kind of have slightly heard of, but have never checked into their stories because of that. So I'm doing a story that is, you know, I've kind of heard of it, but because it dealt with children. I never really looked into this story, okay. but going down that YouTube hole, uh, the other night, uh, you know, how that does the automatic play next play or whatever on videos. Yeah. I wasn't paying attention and it went on and it was a quick news, uh, briefing on what the ne- uh, a 2020 or a 48 special was going to be about and I didn't get to the remote or I wasn't really paying attention when it switched. So when I first brought it up, I was, Oh God. And I went to reach for the remote and then they said the word survival or survives and said, like, wait, okay. Now that I know that somebody survives, maybe I'll take a little closer look. So <laughs> I was like being very cautious, ready to press the stop button until I could hear a little more until I know if it was okay. Once I right. learned it was okay, it's like, oh, I'm looking into this now. So, Oh, good. Okay. <clears throat> so the story I am doing is on a case from 1976. It wasn't even a month old. So it goes back a little. And it is the Chowchilla bus kidnapping. And it deals with being buried alive. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay. Do you see? Faustrophobia
1: is starting to set in already. Oh, yeah.
0: I mean, can you see, though, just by that title, why I'd be afraid to kind of dive into this story?
1: Yeah, because let alone the fact that it's about a chilled child, it sounds like it's possibly about multiple.
0: Right. And it's like, oh, this can't uh, end well, you know? Yeah. So. I looked into it very, very cautiously until I get, you know, it's like, oh, Hesitantly. Okay, okay. Yes. Yeah. So the people that we are going to talk about is Frank Edward Ray. He goes by Edward or mainly Ed from the kids. Larry Park, who is six years old. Jennifer Brown, who is nine years old. And Michael Marshall, who is 14. Okay. Okay. And it takes place July 15th, 1976. So Ed was the uh, bus driver for the school and he was known in the community and I'll talk about the community in a minute. And he was kind of like one of the silly bus drivers, like everybody loved the bus driver, you know? Nice. So, uh, he drove these kids. He used to drive the bus, uh, he drove the bus for these kids' parents and he went to school with these children's grandparents. So like,
1: oh wow, he, he, he's like ingrained into the community. Yes, literally everybody knows him.
0: Yes. So,
1: is it a small town?
0: Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, I'm gonna get there in a minute. Um, let's see. Actually, I'm getting there right now. Chochilla uh, is one of those towns where it's ten or twelve seconds, and you're out of the town downtown area. You know, couple lights. Uh, it's mostly country, uh, okay. country and ranch living. You know,
1: I imagine it's probably like Weatherford or Peaster and it's probably closer to Weatherford.
0: And Ca- uh, Chowchilla is in California, like mid-California.
1: Oh, OK, cool. So almost literally like Weatherford.
0: Yeah, probably w- Weatherford, I would consider would be bigger than this town. So just to give you an idea. Now, I'm sh- if you listened to what I said, I've said bus driver. But then I've also said July 15th. You know, wait a second. That shouldn't add up. But that is because it was uh, at this time they were doing summer school. Yeah. So.
1: I figured it would be like a summer school or a summer camp of some sort.
0: Right. Uh, The summer school wasn't just like what you and me imagine as summer school. It was more like something for the kids to do. Because like I said, this town was... Very small, not a lot to do, you know, there wasn't a movie theater, there wasn't skating rinks.
1: They- I was just about to say, it's not like you can go down to the local uh, skating rink or go bowling, necessarily. Right,
0: right. So it was more or less for something the kids to do. And it was such a success that the teachers, the bus drivers, and the children themselves signed a petition to extend the, the summer school. For a couple more weeks. Wow. So they that's how much fun they had. And it was more or less going over everything from the previous year, getting you ready for the next year, you know, type thing. But uh, they also did try to find some fun activities for the kids. So the first half of the morning would be like a- academics, you know, the schooling part. Then the afternoon, they would do some kind of activity. Will, on July 15th. Their activity was they took the kids to the town swimming pool. So kids were all excited, you know, having a great time. And theirs was the last bus to pull out. And okay. I, and I, some of the kids, of course, are getting on the bus with just their bathing suits on. I mean, I can see the kids. You know, I can remember being a kid and them saying, Okay, 10 minutes, we're going to be leaving, everybody. Get out, get ready so we can go. So I can see myself as a kid where... Huh. You know, 10 minutes, we got to be on the bus. If I don't get out and get dressed and I just stay in my swimsuit, I can stay a little longer in the pool, then jump out, grab a towel, and jump on the bus. So I I can so see kids doing that.
1: It's the difference between five minutes and nine minutes and three seconds.
0: (laughs) Yes. And that's big when you're a kid.
1: Uh, Yeah. Just one more jump, Mom. One more (laughs) jump. One more slide. I didn't go on the slide.
0: Boy, those sound familiar. <laughs> so, so the kids get on the bus, and like I said, half of them are in their swimsuits. And it's important to know that the kids' ages ranged from the youngest, uh, five, to the oldest boy was 14. Okay? Okay. There's a total of 26 kids, plus the driver. So, they're going along, and they do three stops... Off the bus route, no problem. No nothing. Then before the fourth stop, there is a white van that is, looks like it's broke down in the middle of the road. Although it's kind of weird because it's taking up, like, the whole road. And uh, Ed cannot get around the bus, so he has to stop. He then sees three people get out of the, the van holding weapons. Okay?
1: And we throw it in reverse or do we run into them?
0: Which are things he thought about. The only okay, thing cool. is that they had pistols, they had shotguns, so they were different sizes and different uh, weapon. Uh, you know what I mean? Guns.
1: They had a multitude of different
0: right, varieties, right? And he even thought to himself, "Can I throw this van or this bus in reverse and get far enough away that none of the bullets will hit the children?"
1: Right.
0: And even if he could, where would he back up to? He can only back up for so long before these people get into a van and catch up with a big bus. Right. So, he decides that he w- he's going to take the chance and just, he's not going to do anything. He's going to, you know, see if, what's going on, pretty much. And let it play out. And of okay. course, two of the guys come on the bus. And these guys are wearing uh, pantyhose over their face. So, you can't really see their face. Right. And, of course, as soon as the, the two guys get on the bus, kids start freaking out. Because, you know, they're seeing these weird distorted faces. And uh, Yeah. They have uh, the bus driver move to a seat in the back. And the first guy moves behind the seat of the bus driver. So he's literally behind the bus driver and he's got a gun. And he tells Ed, don't move. Don't make any sudden moves. You know, stay calm. The second bad guy gets in the driver's seat to drive the bus. And then the third stays behind and drives the van. Kids oh. uh, describe him, these guys, like, for little, little kids, they said that you can't really see their eyes. They were like, how did you put it? Looking into darkness, you know, like, like they didn't even really have eyes. You know, it just was a scary situation for them. Right. And Larry, who was, who was 6 years old didn't quite gasp what was going on and told the bad guys that whatever you're doing you better not make me late or my dad will be on us like like stink on a skunk oh, oh,
1: precious oh, precious baby
0: so uh while well, some of the other kids of course were whining and crying you know and they're saying uh, larry also says that once he did notice the shotgun and Him coming down the aisle, he said it was the biggest thing, you know, gun he had ever seen at that time. And that's when he started getting scared. But they take off in this bus and the van's following them. And they're driving for a little while until the bus is pulled off the road and down into a river. That's (laughs) all, folks. Um, (laughs) Let's try this again. So they're driving for a little while and then the bus is pulled off into a dried riverbed and the kids describe it as really tall like bamboo like taller than the bus i mean otherwise other words weeds are like super big so it can't really see the bus very well and then okay. jennifer noticed jennifer brown who's 9 she notices there's another van parked there like a, a a dark gray blackish van they pull the vans one at a time up to the back of the bus and they have the doors open and they have the kids file into the bus until or file into the van until it's full and then they bring up the other uh van and park it and they have the kids get into that one so none of the kids are actually touching the ground they're jumping from the bus into the van okay okay and jennifer happens to have a a, a brother but she is separated from her brother during this situation So she starts freaking out, saying she wants her brother. She wants her brother. Her brother's name is Jeff. So she wants Jeff. So I'm going to take you back in town for a little bit. Okay?
1: Okay. What's going on in
0: town? So like I said, it's a small town. It's never really big or busy. So the bus is regularly on time. You know, there's always an instance or two where it's not exactly on time. But it's not really what you would consider, oh my God, late. So...
1: Like it's not a it's it's a small town, it's not like it can really get lost,
0: <laughs> right, so when kids aren't home within an hour, yeah, parents are starting to call each other and then they're calling the superintendent and the and of course they're calling the parking garage or the bus garage because you know mm-hmm. if he breaks down, maybe you know it's that's a very logical thing. The bus broke down, yeah, sure, so. After getting all these calls, the superintendent does call the cops and informs him that, hey, the bus is missing. Nobody has heard from him on a radio saying that anything is wrong. We don't know what's going on with the bus. So the superintendent and the teachers and some of the police, they go driving the bus route to see if maybe he broke down and for some reason couldn't get a hold of anybody. Mm-hmm. When they all have gone the route several times, and cannot find the this bus, then they start to panic. Yeah. So they they bring in all the parents and they take them to the to the firehouse and they start calling the local police start calling like the highway patrol and the sheriff and everything. And of course the parents, you know, they're starting to really pa- panic.
1: Yeah, I would too.
0: And at some point, you know, Ed's wife gets there and a couple of them start raising their voice and making a scene about, where's Ed? What did he do with our children? But of course, that is quickly squashed down when everybody, you know, takes a breath and realize, okay, Ed would not do this. This, you know, we apologize. We're sorry. We're just, we're scared. We don't know where our kids are, you know. And it is said later that while the kids were still missing, when people would also make comments about, you know, maybe Ed had something to do with this the parents would back him up saying, No, we are happy that Ed is with these children because that means they have a chance. Wow. So I'm just I'm I was afraid at first of like, oh my God, they're gonna be blaming this this poor bus driver, da da da, you know. So
1: that's that's amazing.
0: Yes. So this is a part where it's not a hundred percent clear, but okay. a plane or helicopter spots the bus. And I say a plane or helicopter because depending on the documentary, depending on the podcast, some say it was a helicopter uh, that was, you know, part of the sheriff's helicopter and they were doing, what's it called, not trials, but practices. And some say it was a plane that was out on practices. Uh, Some say it was um, those crop duster planes and that was flying around and knew about what was going on and saw the plane. But at either point, for whatever reason, the, this Airplane, helicopter, was in the air, was immediately told about the missing bus. And all planes and all helicopters, everything that was in the area, was notified to be on the lookout for for the bus. And they eventually, one of these flying machines, <laughs> found the bus. <laughs> and they would have never found the bus from the ground. Otherwise. Yeah. So, unlike past stories that we've done about horrible police work or sheriff work or, or things like that. I'd like to say that they did good here. Okay. The, nice. the sheriffs and, and the police, they were all on point. They weren't the, this is our area. This is our jurisdiction. You can't come help. No, they, they're like, this is big. We need help and we need everybody. So one of the reasons I also like the cops or the sheriff and everything that they do here is once they find the bus, they immediately notice that there are two vans. Oh, good! In in the dirt, they also immediately. Uh, second reason is they immediately notice that there's no footprints anywhere. So they they automatically concluded with the tire tracks and the footprints lack thereof, footprints, that they had done what I had said and pulled the van to the bus doors and had them hop into the vans. The sheriff's God. name is. Ed Bates, in case I bring it up, his name up.
1: Okay. Mr. Bates. Sheriff Bates.
0: So, and then third reason I, I like uh, the sheriff is, like I said, he wasn't like, oh, this is our area. Nope. He got on that phone super quick, called the governor and said, we need help. This is what's going on. Send everyone you can. Within 30 minutes, over 50 FBI agents were at his town. Wow. And of course, with that big of a fast movement, it also caught the attention of the media. And of course, yeah, twenty what did I say, twenty six kids, and a bus driver vanishing is big story. It was yeah, I yeah, it was all over the country. I tried to get a hold of like my mom and my mother in law because they were older and they see if they remember anything. But I never was able to get a hold of them. But it was national news. It was also one of the first. American massive kidnapping, you know that was happened. Yeah. So,
1: because it's not every day that a school bus full of children and their bus driver go missing.
0: Right. So, what were they thinking? What were the police and the FBI? What were they? What were they thinking that happened? First off, they never, in a million years, thought it was a kidnapping. Never, because, like I said, small town. This wasn't a town of Ferraris and people wearing suits. This was a town of old trucks and trailers and 95% of the people wearing blue jeans. So this wasn't a rich town. So kidnapping, it's like, uh, it was I mean, it was just like immediately, it wasn't, it couldn't be kidnapping because nobody was, here was rich. There was, there was nothing for it, you know?
1: There was no reason to put up for ransom.
0: Then they thought, well, maybe the kids are for a prisoner exchange of some kind you know for each kid the president you know they would release someone or something along those lines maybe okay because that would be more plausible than a kidnapping okay there's okay they also put police on the banks i think there was like three banks in the in the town one was like i don't remember what the name of the bank was but it was like a national bank and then there was two small banks but they okay. they put everybody on at the banks for two reasons One, the FBI didn't really know the bus driver. So in case uh, the wife went to the ATM or got some money out or whatever, they could kind of see. So another reason was there was a book that came out about a bus being kidnapped. And the, the town and everybody was so focused on finding the bus and these children that nobody was watching the banks. And it was a kind of like a cover up so they can go and rob a bank. While yeah. all the police were, you know, involved in this Busy. other thing, right? Right. But uh, of course, that wasn't the case either. Now, I asked you earlier if you had, uh, if you knew of the Zodiac killer. Yes. Okay. The reason I asked that because they thought it was possible that the Zodiac had something to do with this. Reason being is you know those letters he sent to the press sometimes. Yes, his last leather leather, his last letter to the press after his last crime that well that is known, mm-hmm. said that his he had such a thrill on committing this crime that he may need to up his game. Right? Wouldn't it be something if he got a hold of a school bus
1: mm-hmm.
0: and killed you know killed the kids? Yeah. So it was only two years that he had written that letter. And it was in California. Not that god-awful far from the Zodiac killings. I mean, it would be a couple hours. But still, when you have someone that, you know, going on, and he writes about yeah. a bus, you know, that he's going to take, and now there's a bus missing? So that was, that was something that they, had, they all had on their mind. Even the sheriff of this town. So, yeah, that was scary.
1: I'm glad he's being mindful and like, like,
0: not just sticking to one thing.
1: Yeah. Like, he's like, hey, I remember that there was this book and, you know, if I know it, maybe they know it. So let's do that. And because like, that also makes me think of, um, it was a diehard movie, I think, right?
0: Yes. Yep.
1: They, they took, yeah. Um, that's all I'll say on that. No spoilers. Um, and then I had another idea, or another sentence, a thought, but I have no idea what it was, so I'll just mention die hard and be a done.
0: <laughs> and I was going to say something, too, and it just went out of my mind. Oh, now I remember. Sorry if I yelled too loud.
1: <laughs> You're good.
0: I will tell you that they believe that one, when, when all, everything was said and done, and this case was, you know, over, I guess you could say, that... They got their idea actually from a movie, from a Clint Eastwood movie where the bad guy gets on a bus and threatens the bus driver with a knife and saying that he'll hurt the kids if, she, if the bad guy isn't driven somewhere. And the bus driver's just like, you tell me where you want to go and I'll take you there. So they believe that that's where they actually got the idea is from a movie. So the idea huh. of them thinking it could have been from a, a book isn't that far off. Yeah. So just wrong media thing. (laughs) But still, yeah. (laughs) So because it was also a very tight community, the whole town were searching, you know, everywhere for these kids. You know, and it was like, you need to search my property. Come on ahead. Look all over over here if you want. Uh, You know, everybody was looking everywhere for these kids. I mean, the whole town was really involved, which I thought was really cool.
1: It's nice when the whole community comes together, and it's not like for something ridiculous, I don't know, yeah, I was going somewhere with that,
0: but can you also imagine the the parents and the kids of the first three stops that did get off this bus,
1: right, like I would not be letting my child out of my sight.
0: I mean, they were so close to have been taking themselves i mean i haven't I didn't see anything that talked about these kids. But these kids have had to have been afraid and had some a some little bit of of what's it called? survivor guilt? guilt? Yeah, something I would think, you know? I would always wonder in my mind, you know, oh my god. But uh after driving for what seems forever with the kids, we'll go back to the kids now. Um oh, let me tell you about these vans that the kids were in. Okay? Okay. So the vans were like big cargo vans. And they had spray painted the windows, so white spray paint on the white van and black on the you know so no one could see in or out then they also put this paneling like wooden paneling inside the vans okay I- i'm not sure exactly why but they did so i guess it was more to prevent like from anybody pounding on the 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 walls of the van or i i don't know that's the only thing i can think of but in the van like I said, it's the middle of summer in the back of a cargo van. It is hot. Is hot. Yes. The kids are are thirsty and they're like really, really starting to suffer from the heat. The but the van with the bus driver keeps trying to pound on the wall to get the driver's attention, but of course nothing happens. So after driving for what felt like forever, and it was hours, the van starts to slow down. Then it gets really bumpy and they're almost being like thrown throughout the van, you know, to one side to the other. And it's just super, super bumpy until finally they feel Are the. they going up the mountains. Just wait. I can't tell you yet. So okay, okay. then the vans, they stop and then everything stops. And of course, there's complete darkness in there. No lights or nothing. And for a little while, they just sit there and then the door opens for where for the van that has the driver bus driver and they pull him out and shut the door they ask him his name and they tell him to take off his pants and his boots and his shirt he's wearing like one of those white t-shirts and some boxers and after that they have him go down this ladder into a hole and they give him a flashlight he says it, re- it was really dark at first, but once he got to the bottom of the hole, he saw he was in a much bigger, he would later call it, you like know, cavern? A, like a truck or something like as back of a semi truck or something like that. But it, it, okay. it was big and there was little like dim lights down there. And uh, I'll talk more on what all he saw in a little bit down there. Then after the bus driver went down, they would go get a kid, pull him out of the van one at a time, shut the door. One of the ro- robbers, one of the uh, kidnappers, would ask you know, your name. The other one would get your age, and then they would take something from the kid, whether it was the shoes or a shirt or one of the kid's glasses or something. So most of the kids were down to like shorts or nothing else. Or you know, especially if they only had their bathing suit, you know, they they were just left in their bathing suit, and then they would be told to go down. Go down the ladder into the hole, so they did this one one at a time, taking each kid one at a time out of the van and doing this until they were all down into the hole. They also had uh they had given some of the kids a few flashlights when they had gone down, so they had these little dim lights plus a couple of flashlights, and what they saw down there was there were tons of mattresses and a table, and the table had some water, some peanut butter, and bread. And some cereal. And there was some foods and water and stuff, but not, like, enough to last for very long. Mm-hmm. And then they hear uh, the... Or no, first they see the ladder being pulled up. And then they hear the hole being covered. And they He says he just knew it was a manhole cover type thing. Then they hear these two loud booms. Boom. Boom. On top of the, the hole. And then... <laughs> Then they hear shoveling of dirt, and they realize they're covering the hole up with dirt. So they're being completely covered. Oh, also, before they uh, before they put the manhole cover on, they threw down a couple rolls of toilet paper. Oh, uh,
1: gee, how considerate.
0: Yeah. So over where the wheels would be on the truck, they had... You know, it's like a metal bump on, you know, over yeah. the back of the wheels or whatever, and big semi trucks. Well, they had cut holes into two of those, uh, those covers, and that was made for their toilet. Before anybody used it, uh, Ed and the 14 year old boy, Michael or Mike, you know, they both checked them out and to see, and it was just really deep, do- uh, deep pit, you know, for them to use the bathroom. How convenient. They didn't make it very shallow for them. (laughs) So they're observing the situation and they notice that there are two little vents and they can hear fans going. So they know they have air coming in. But they also know that they're not very powerful fans. So these fans aren't going to last forever. Right. And over the next, I don't know, I think most of the night of that night, you know, they're trying to sleep and everything and By sometime early next morning, even though they rationed the food and water, the food and water is going to be gone soon. It's only going to last that day, and that's going to be it. Right. Then the vents stop working. Frick. So now this comment I'm going to tell you uh, was overheard, and it was also brought up from Mike and Ed themselves when they talked to the media. But while they were talking, you know, Mike and Ed, they didn't want the other kids to know the significance of the vent, but they were overheard saying, if we're going to die, anyhow, we might as well die trying to get out of here. So, or trying to escape, sorry. So with that, they started to come up with a plan. First, they grabbed all the mattresses and piled them up by underneath the hole. Then they, Mike and Ed start pushing on the manhole cover. And of course they could feel like, it's, there's stuff on there, but they're still, they're giving all their might. They're trying to push it. You know, they can't push it up. So they're trying to slide it. And eventually they start getting it to inch an inch mm. and inch and inch. And finally till they can reach up there and feel that what the two thumps they heard were that the kidnappers were putting two huge truck batteries on top of the manhole cover. Well, they were somehow able to You know, once they got their hand up, kind of start pushing the the batteries off to the side and pushing the manhole cover open more and more. And, of course, you know, they're getting exhausted because they've been doing this all morning. And every time, of course, it it, it would inch a little bit. All the kids would scream and and cheer and like, yeah, okay, you can do it. Do it again. You can do it. You know, cheering them on. So so they were able to open the hole big enough that Mike, the 14 year old, could go up and squeeze through and see what's going on. He said he was so scared. He wasn't sure if once he popped yeah. his head out, if the bad guys were going to be there pointing guns at his head. But
1: right.
0: he he said, he, you know, they had made that decision about they're going to die either way, so yeah. take the chance. So he did. He got up and he got out of the manhole and he is standing around the manhole and realized that the kidnappers had made a wooden box around the manhole. It was tall enough that Mike could stand up, but Ed, the driver, could not get into it. It was it was too small for him. So okay. they started taking, like, pieces from the mattresses and stuff below. You know how, like, if you turn over a spring, it's got some wood pallets or something. And they were trying yeah. to use that and hitting it on the the, the the walls and stuff and they were able to make a hole and everything and then they made a hole and there was dirt all around this so they started digging a little more and a little more and i don't know how they knew which way to go i guess they just went upward yeah and um the kids were all saying that mike was exhausted because he was the only one that could stand up there and do this and ed could only stay down da- down and cheer him on and and give him support and hand him a little water when he could. So Mike was exhausted, but he would only stop for a second or two and he would keep going and keep going and keep going. And all the kids talked about it. Okay. So finally, there was a little hole and light came through and the light came through right from through the box, right down to the man cover, right down into the the truck that they were in. And they all cheered. They're like, we're getting out of here you know they're all happy and and now there's some fresh air coming through i mean it's not a very big hole but it was big enough that was the kids were all stuffy some of them had been passing out from the heat because the air was starting to get low and again box truck or semi truck or whatever in the summer even if you're buried with all those people in there yeah you know the the little ones were passing out oh i want to go back real quick and and Back to uh, when the kids were in the van, a cute thing that was happening was, of course, the older kids were taking care of the younger kids and they were grabbing the younger kids and holding them because the little ones were crying and trying to to comfort them and everything. So the kids really supported each other in this whole event. So I I thought that was very cute. So Mike is able to crawl out of this hole and he looks around and he yells down that they're gone. The bad guys aren't there. That they're gone. They're safe. So now they have to make kind of this weird human chain to get the kids up on the mattress. Then the, from the mattress, get them into this other hole where the box was. And then from the box to get them up to the to to the actual opening hole. You know, they eventually get them one at a time. They have to really squeeze and make some more adjustments for Ed to get out. But they do. And when they all come up, they see big dunes like all over, around them, okay? And it is around 8 o'clock at night, by the way, around air. And so they start walking for a while, and they hear noises. And, of course, some of the kids are freaking out, thinking it could be the bad guys. But again, Ed and Mike talk it over and say, we have no choice. We have to get help. It could or it could not be the bad guys. We we have to try. So they decide that they're all going to walk up You know, which I would have, you know, kept the kids back and just, you know. But they all walk up and (laughs) they come across some tractors, some other big trucks, some conveyors, and a bunch of guys in hard hats. And Mike goes up to him and says, hey, uh, we're from Chowchilla and we're lost. And we're lost. (laughs) That's one way to put it.
1: Yeah, that's one way.
0: So, come to find out the uh, through Google Maps and everything. They are a 100- hundred... Google Maps? Google Maps.
1: Oh, you using Google Maps. I'm sorry. I was imagining them whipping out a phone in the <laughs> 1970s.
0: Ah, Google, yes. <laughs> sorry. Mm, good, we have a coughing fit. <laughs> so, they are 108 miles away from their own town in Livermore. And they are at a rock quarry. So that's where they were put, was a rock quarry. That's where all the conveyors and all the loud noises and tractors and stuff. So I just want you, though, to imagine this scene, okay? Imagine you're working there. All of a sudden, you see an older man, pretty, I mean, he's not naked, but he's in his underwear, for lack of a better word, Mm. come across with a whole handful of children dressed sporadically, in bathing suits and pants with no shirts or shorts, no shirts, or some kids in just their underwear. Right. And they are dirty. They're coughing. Some of them are very lethargic. Of course, they're sweaty and, and like I said, dirty because they still had to climb through the the dirt to get out, you know? Right. So just, can you imagine these people? They're like, seeing them? Oh my god. I, I couldn't imagine. Not me, you know. So, they, of course, very quickly call the cops. I mean, can you imagine?
1: Yeah, because, like, even, like, literally, what rock did y'all just climb out from under?
0: (laughs) Oh, so very true. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) I'm trying not to cough. (coughs) Sorry. But, so they call the police right away. And the police get there, and they immediately start taking pictures of the bus driver and of everybody for two reasons. One, to prove that the kids in the bus driver was there, you know, uh, so they could send it back to the town and the FBI, but also in case they need to use the pictures for court, you know. hmm
1: So, smart again yeah. on them. Very smart.
0: So... They're in this quarry, so now they have 28 kids and a bus driver who, you know, need 26. to be checked. Huh? I
1: thought it was 26. Yes,
0: sorry. 26 kids and a bus driver that need to get medical help. The The police and the FBI need to talk to them. So where the heck are, are you going to put kids and this group at around 8 o'clock at night in this another small town? Oh, I know. A Let's school? take them to Jail? Jail? <laughs> they took them to the, uh, the Livermore, Livermore Correction Facility. The kids, though, they weren't—they were like we're going to jail. I mean, they weren't panic or anything. They've just, you know, been through a traumatic ex- experience, but they just—they thought it was kind of funny and giggly about it, you know. <laughs> and they put them into like the classrooms of the jail, and um, they are all given like these white jumpsuits. And, of course, the only one that can actually fit in it is Ed. Right. And possibly the 14-year-old. And so they have to roll up the the um, the legs, like, several, Aww. several times. And then, of course, the little ones, they don't roll up their arms because they keep flopping them around, and <laughs> they're moving them, and they're like, hey, we're going to fly. We can fly out of here. Let's fly out. You know, joking like kids do. Yeah. So, actually, the prison is probably – one of the best places to take them. No one's getting in there. Uh, yeah. They have doctors on staff. They have a cafeteria on staff. You know, they were able to have clothes and they have police officers there, you know. and So it actually was a great place to put the kids. And of course, the, they're seen, takes a couple hours and they get them some food and they're seen through from doctors. No major I- injuries. There, you know, some di- dehydration and, you know, They're hungry. Uh, There's a few minor scrapes and scratches. And a couple of them had burns. I don't understand how they got the burns. But a couple of them had some burns. Not very big, but still they had burns on them. It's never explained how that came about. But nothing like, oh my god, they have to spend days in the hospital. And then the police start interrogating. They interrogate the kids from total from the first one to the last one. Takes them four hours. So, the kids can't tell them much about their suspects, but they can definitely tell them everything from, you know, the time the bus, uh, the bad guys got on the bus until how they escaped and conditions. And so they, they're able to really tell in detail everything that happened to them. You're just not able to describe the bad guys. Right. So, after they're interviewed, <laughs> I find this ironic, but they charter a Greyhound bus i I would have been like a kid a bus again you know but they they get can we not
1: stop this time (laughs) no more detours (laughs) i miss my
0: mattress (sighs) not
1: to mention i'd like to go pee in my own toilet or an actual toilet
0: any toilet probably (laughs)
1: Even a prison toilet. I mean, hey,
0: <laughs> I'm wondering if some of the kids, if they took a shower uh, at the prison and then got the jumpsuits, because the way they're described and everything being all hot and sweaty and dirty, and then when you see them when they get to the to their own town, they're not mm-hmm. as dirty. So I don't know, yeah. or maybe they were just cleaned up by you know washcloth or something. But um, so they charter this greyhound. And at four o'clock in the morning the the bus comes into town, of course, beeping beep 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 the whole beep, town beep. is there, the media is there, and you know the by now it's you know, like I said, it was several hours for getting them through the doctors and feeding, and then hours with the with the police officers, so some of the stories of the kids have already made it out, so the kids are all brought out that each one is accompanied with a, an adult either a nurse, a doctor, or a police officer, there's an FBI, somebody's walking these kids literally out with them to, to, into the fire station to be given to their parents. You know, which I think is pretty cool. You know, it's not like, okay, we're here, get yeah. off the bus. Each kid was with a designated person. So, the last two to get off the bus is Mike and Ed. And Mike gets off the bus and everyone starts clapping. His is one of the stories that got out. And you know, so the media is clapping, the townsfolks are clapping, and um he's getting out, and they're all yelling his name. You know, Mike, how was the hole? How did you guys survive? Mike, how are you doing? Are you okay? You know, all kinds of yelling. He's like, uh, I'm okay. And he's just trying to keep, you know, going, because he's, like, confused. How do all these people know my name? Right. And then, of course, Ed comes off the bus, and again, another round of applause, and, and yelling uh woohoos and everything. So, So, Jennifer is walked off the bus. She's given to her mom. Uh, Larry is actually carried off the bus. And if you go online, in every single documentary, it shows the video of the bus pulling into the town. And, it, you know, and, and of the kids being taken off the bus. Larry, the six-year-old, is carried off the bus. And you see him carried off the bus. And he's handed to his mom. And he says, Hi, Mom. And then immediately falls asleep on his mom's shoulder. Aww. Yeah, I thought that was so cute. So, what the hell happened? Okay? So, that next morning, I mean, like I said, they got there at four in the morning. So, a few hours Does later... you you
1: have to go to school in the morning?
0: <laughs> I think I'd give my kid a pass. <laughs> and start driving Jeez. him to and from school.
1: <laughs> right?
0: So, the FBI and the police, they find the Barry truck very quickly and you know a few of them go down and in some of the documentaries and the movies and what there's a movie out there by the way it's a very good representation of what happened a few extra storylines in there for dramatic stuff but it's very close to to the documentaries and what happened so uh you know it's like oh my god these kids live down there because they had to wear masks because the smell was so potent down there and it was really awful, so uh they they unburied the truck, and they were able to pull the truck out and open it up from the back and go through the evidence there. So from looking at the evidence and what just what they see, they knew that they were dealing with somebody who knew the area, you know, uh, because yeah. they had to have known that nobody was going to be around in that specific area of the quarry mm-hmm. was able to come and go. In the quarry without being like, hey, have to go check in with your supervisor, you know, you know, that they had the freedom to move around the quarry. Yeah. And for some of the ways to get in and out, they would also have to have keys for the quarry. Okay.
1: Jeez, dude, just wear a shirt. Why don't you?
0: <laughs> so after talking to some of the other co-workers that are there. And asking them if they saw anything weird or suspicious. And they're like, well, we didn't see anything suspicious, but we did see so and so and two other guys over there digging and messing around. And this was several months ago. And when they gave the name, it is understandably why nobody really thought it was suspicious. Because the person who they named, his name was Frederick Wood. And he goes by Fred. And Frederick is the son. Of the rock quarry owner.
1: Oh, jeez.
0: Yes. So who is who else? Who else is Frederick Wood? He is the owner's son, like I said, and it immediately comes up that he has a record. That two years ago he was charged with grand theft auto, and to make things even more perfect in this investigation, he had two accomplices. No shoot. The accomplices' names were Richard and James Shufield, okay? Shufield. Brothers? Yes. So it was kind of, they said the dynamic of the friendship was that Fred, who was, like I said, the son of the owner of the place, he was kind of like the head of the group. Like, I'm bored, let's do this. Or, okay, we're done with this, let's move on. Like, he was literally the head of the three. The one kind of like in charge and the one's like, oh, let's do this. And then everybody get in trouble. Okay. Got it. James Shufield, which was the older brother, was Fred's best friend. So Fred said something. James would be like, okay, whatever. Richard got involved because he's the younger brother and loved his brother James and was the tag along. What are you guys doing? Okay, that sounds like fun. I'm going to go with you guys, you know, type thing. Right. I'm making them sound a lot younger, but that's, you know, how I picture their younger friendship when they, you know, went. (laughs) And of course, as they're older, Richard just followed them around. And it was essentially, they come to find out, it was Fred's idea for this. So they get a warrant for Fred's house and immediately go over there. And... Have you ever seen movies or t v shows where the police are talking and they're like, "Well, we wish we could just you know somebody handed us a booklet or or something and says, "Here's our plans and it's the plans of all the bad guys and what they're what they're planning on doing. Guess what They walked into the house, Boy. found a notebook, and it was literally labeled "The plans
1: The plans
0: yeah, like, can you <laughs> like, well, this is easy,
1: so right
0: and it Turns out that they had been planning this for eighteen months.
1: Holy crap!
0: And they had down for what? What?
1: And for why? And for what?
0: Oh, yeah, that's the question, isn't it? But they had on the notebook. They had every step on what they were going to do, how they were going to do it, and then off to the side, what could go wrong with each step, and how they would fix it at that moment. So, this was careful, careful planning.
1: Yeah, it was.
0: So, um... The manual, like... Yeah, so, and at first, it was one of those, oh, we need money, and then it was like, yeah, how, how do you guys think we should get money? Oh, let's do this, and then it was like, oh, let's do this, and then they saw that movie, and it was like, hey, do you think that could really be pulled off? And then uh Fred was like, how would you pull it off, guys? You know each of you, tell me how you think we should, how somebody would do it. And and it got more and more into, how would you do it? How would you do it? And then, so the brothers at first are thinking, it's just like, yeah, how would you pull off the perfect crime type thing? You know, just being boys and talking. And then... Shooting the shit. Yeah. And then it got to the point where Fred was like, huh. You know, it would have to be somewhere that's, you know, small town in the middle of nowhere and stuff. And so then, of course, James, the best friend, would be like, oh, I wonder where that would be? And he'd like, well, it could be this town, or it could be this town, or, hey, how about this town? And then Fred was like, oh, that's an idea. Hey, let's go check out the town, just for fun. We have nothing else going on. Let's go check out the town. See how big it really is. And then they'd go check out the town, and then they like... Well, we can't do it right after school at the, you know, this. And it slowly turned into something more real. That supposedly was supposed to be just a game and talk. It slowly turned into something real. And before Richard realized what was going on, he was already way too deep. And Fred had a temper. He was not the nicest guy. So Mm. you don't speak up against Fred. And Richard, the youngest brother, you know, he's. He doesn't really want to do this, but he's in now too far, so he you know, he does go along with it. Um, I feel like I'm forgetting something. don't you know? So they also find the police find a gun, they find um, oh, here's what I remembered. Now, it was like 36 hours total that the kids from the time the bad guys got on the bus until the kids found somebody at the quarry to help them. So if this was a ransom. Why did nobody call in the ransom? Truth is, mm-hmm. they tried. Because it got out so quickly and it got such media attention so quickly. The The phones and everything going into that town were busy. They couldn't call the parents. They couldn't call the any hotlines. They couldn't call the sheriff's office. They were just completely busy. They could not get through. So you know after you've been up for so long and you've had so much ag- adrenaline and been a long day kidnapping you know what would you do you go and you take a nap and by the time they woke up the kids had already been found and are back at home
1: oh shit
0: but before they it sounds
1: d- like a uh that that story about the turtle and the hare
0: yeah <laughs> yeah well apparently them not getting through was not on their contingency plan So they were, um, in the plan book, there were mock-ups of ransom notes that they were trying to figure out how to say and how to word it. And they were going to give it to the state of California, not just to, you know, the people, the parents, they figured, you know, state of California would pay it, you know? So they found many drafts of, of the ransom notes, but, uh, The reason the ransom wasn't also delivered, because now they hadn't thought of that. Who the heck is going to hand over the ransom note? You don't just walk up to a police officer. Hey, here you go. So they couldn't think about it. So that's when, you know, they're tired. We'll think about this in in the morning. And so that's when they went and took a nap. Uh, After they figured out who it was, they immediately put it in the paper. The three suspects and Richard, the younger brother. When they saw on the news that the kids had gotten out, Fred took off to uh, Canada. The older brother, James, took off east, New Mexico and Arizona, places like that. But Richard was so, so bad, felt so horrible, he immediately went and told his mom, and him and his mom, they turned himself in. And of course, he immediately blabs everything and tells them everything. And eventually, uh, the other two are caught. And if, if you look at Fred from when he's caught and he's being transferred, he looks like he's got like a smirk or smile on his face. Like, yep, I did. That. You know, it just makes you want to punch him.
1: Mm. A punchable face. Yes.
0: So you want to hear something else about this, these kids? These guys? I, I
1: would love to.
0: I usually don't talk too much about the bad guys, but it's just unbelievable. So they're young. Okay. Early 20s. Yeah. How old are they? Early 20s. They're-
1: Whoa, guys.
0: Yeah, early 20s. And I did say that Fred was the son of the owner of the Rock Cory.
1: Yeah.
0: And his family was loaded. And the brothers, their family was loaded. I mean, not just like they're comfortable. No, they were rich. And they had, they had their families all lived in the richest neighborhood in San Francisco. Oh. And... The reasoning they wanted money is because James, the older brother, and Fred were in debt because they didn't want to follow in their family's footsteps. They wanted to be on their own and do what they wanted to do, which means they weren't getting a lot of money from their family, you know, because they were goofing around like what the family thought, you know. So they weren't going to just start dishing out You want to be on
1: your own, be on your own. Yeah,
0: even though they all lived at home. Yeah. so um also quick note because they're young and rich they only got uh, probation when they did that grand theft auto 2 years ago because they're rich they're young they're not bad looking Eh.
1: We don't want to hurt their potential. Eh,
0: it's it's no big deal. There's kids being maybe a joyride. Just you ain't gonna hurt anybody. You're not a real threat. Go ahead, go on.
1: Just boys being boys. Mm-hmm.
0: Can you imagine though, if the kid, if those three would have gone through the system like should have been, the kidnapping probably would not have happened. But I digress. Now I forgot where I really was. <laughs> okay. So, in the interview, when James asked about, you know, why taking the kids, this is his quote. He says, we need multiple victims for multiple millions, and we pick children because children children are precious. The state would be willing to pay to get them back, and children don't fight. So, they, were, they pleaded guilty to 27 counts of kidnapping, ransom, and robbery, but they refused to to plead guilty on eight counts of bodily harm. Because to them all they did was drive the kids from one spot to another and stick them in a hole. But because they were trying to put on this um bodily harm because of the, the the passing out of the kids and the cuts and scratches and the couple burns and stuff, and the the this count would mean life in prison without parole, without any possibility of parole. And of course they didn't want to go down like that well right. 16 months later there of course had to be a, a trial now because you know they wouldn't plead guilty for that and mm-hmm. some of the kids had to testify <laughs> and jennifer jennifer brown the nine-year-old was i i love her she said that she went in there she when it was her turn she. St- took her gum out, handed it to her dad, walked up there, said what she had to say, lifted her head up, looked right at them in the eyes, pointed to them, did whatever she had to do, and she walked out uh, of that room with her head held high. <laughs> oh,
1: what a good girl. <laughs> a girl.
0: So, they were all three found guilty.
1: Yay!
0: Yay! Over, right?
1: Uh, well, seeing as they're like you said good looking um and they're rich and they're young, uh I'm assuming no
0: that had something to do with it, but you know money pays for good lawyers and
1: sure thing they do just ask o j
0: <laughs> so sometime later, the lawyers went back and fought on the those accounts about the life of no parole. And saying that, you know, they had no intention of hurting the kids and the kids getting the scratches and the burns or whatever was, you know, it was not on them. And that they had mattresses. They were trying to do everything they could to to not hurt the kids. It was overturned. So they were not found guilty for those counts, which means their sentences now went from life in prison to a possibility of parole. The sheriff says... It was heartbreaking because that means every four years, there would be a parole. And every four years, the kids and the driver would have to come back, be in a much, much smaller room with the bad guys and testify over again on their encounter. Every four years going over everything that happened.
1: God dang it.
0: <clears throat> so, all in all, as one uh, for one of the shows I was watching, it was documented, the 2019. At the time of the 2019 document uh, documentary, there had been 60 parole hearings. 60? 60. So...
1: Good gravy.
0: In June of 2012, Richard, the youngest brother, was the first one to be paroled. Three years later, James was paroled. They both were great. They never got into trouble. They, they never had any issues. They were very polite. And uh, Richard, you know, occasionally if, if, if uh, the media found him, he would always say how sorry he is. And he hopes that the kids have a great life and that he apologizes and, you know, that they seek help and, and, and everything. Fred, <clears throat> I don't think Fred is ever getting out. Fred is not the model citizen or model person in jail. He has been found with countless pornography and cell phones, which some, that means somebody's smuggling them in. And yep. he was even found running a Christmas tree business. Now, apparently in the state of California, that isn't illegal. The fact that he got in trouble was because he never asked permission from the warden first. If he would have gotten the permission, he could have opened up his small business in prison That'll weird that was weird but anyhow because
1: like, like okay <laughs> i mean i guess if you don't have anything else to do with your time
0: but uh the 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 thinking is if he can't follow the rules in jail he's not gonna follow yeah. the rules outside so he yeah. keeps getting denied the bail or parole good and he is supposed to get another parole hearing i think in 2023 I believe it is, and
1: well, here's to keep him in, keeping him in there.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, um, okay, so back to the kids real quick. I'm almost done. I promise.
1: <laughs> you're good.
0: I know you don't like it when I stay out too long, but uh, yeah, you're all right. You're doing well. All right. So, <clears throat> where did all... hold on? One second. I, know. I have a sentence here. I don't understand what it was. But um, so w- what do you think happened to all the children? After their um, traumatic, very traumatic experience, well, what would you I think have- now would happen if children went under their traumatic experience? Uh,
1: I would assume they wouldn't really want to be on the bus, or they would be anxious on the bus at every stop, or maybe their parents started taking them to school.
0: Yeah, um, I was thinking more mentally.
1: Mentally, um, I mean, I would assume people some sort of ptsd
0: maybe yes but also nowadays it would be an automatic thing of oh therapy this is 1976 oh no there is no thought of sending a single kid to therapy at all that's upsetting yeah um the the weeks a couple weeks following the abduction jennifer had such horrible nightmares uh, she would go running into her parents' room, and still sleep, and screaming and hollering. And then later on, she would tell her parents that she would have dreams that that bad guys would line up all the children and shoot them. Larry, um, the six-year-old would constantly dream he is falling into a hole and would start kicking and thrashing his legs and arms, and until his mom would wake him up, and You know, he was feeling like he was being thrown back in that hole and the covers were were people holding him down. So, and and in one document or one interview that they showed, one mother said something along the lines that not just, you know, they have to be worried about the physical harm. But they're going to have to worry about how their children's going to be mentally. And this is before the children were found. But that is the only comment that is made about their mental. So also you know, traumatic experience, what is probably the great thing to do for all these children to help deal with their pain and trauma? I have an idea. Let's take them all to Disney World. And that's what they did. They took the bus driver and all the kids to Disney World and hoped to help them forget about the traumatic experience they went through.
1: Well, I mean, it wouldn't hurt. <laughs>
0: But not therapy. Disney World, but or Disneyland at the time. You know, it's California. But
1: oh well, if it's Disneyland, <laughs> fuck therapy.
0: And there's a picture of all of them l- lined up. And uh,
1: then again, therapy would actually be cheaper.
0: <laughs> this is true. This is true. So, Larry, uh, the nine-year-old. By the time he was 10, he was—he said he was so full of rage and he was just mad and angry all the time. And at age 15, his parents put him into a group for tr- troubled youth because they thought that he could possibly get violent. So he went to this home for a while. By the time he was 21, he was using meth. He was, you know, oh
1: my gosh. he was
0: uh, smoking and drinking. Uh. He was just he said he was just angry all the time.
1: Do we know anything about it now? Uh,
0: has yeah. it gotten any better? Oh yeah. Um it took him a long time with the uh, help from his friends, his family and church um he eventually he started his own construction business. He is he helps out. I don't know if he was a youth pastor or he's not like a full-time pastor at the church but he he does something and has like that kind of position in a church. Um, And he said that, you know, he was much, much older and that he was laying down and he said that he cannot continue with his anger and this hatred and that he's got to do something. And the only way he's going to be able to move on is if he learned forgiveness. So he prayed and prayed for forgiveness and he set up, time to actually go and see all three of these guys Wow! and there's a picture online lo- i don't know that i grabbed it to put on the show and tell i may have to find it and add it later but okay. there's a picture of him and the younger brother um standing ne- next to each other and uh um uh, larry has his arm around richard and they're smiling wow so and after that he he has uh as of that 19 document documentary whatever he had been sober and clean for nine years
1: congratulations I know you can't hear me but good job good job on you my friend
0: Mike the boy who was 14 at, at the time in the town hero uh he said he he went to bed drunk at 18 and woke up at 40 some years old with a hangover is how he puts it he had left town as soon as he was eighteen. He Got it. he never moved back to the town, and he was also you know angry and upset. And unlike Larry, he says he cannot forgive the guys for doing this because not of what he went through, but because of what he put, what they put his mom through. Mm. Don't mess with a country boy's mom. No. So he said he will never. And he says it with hatred. He's, I will never forgive them.
1: I mean, I completely understand because, really, when you boil it down, it's to it. There wasn't even a real point to it. It was a three rich kids are bored and started fucking around and then fucked with people's lives
0: and thought maybe, hey, and we could possibly get some money out of this.
1: Yeah, like
0: all because they didn't want to grow up and go work for their family. Yeah. And have the money that they wanted and could have had. Yeah. I, yeah. That's why this case is so weird. Is it, There was real no real point of it. None.
1: It wasn't done with malice.
0: Yeah. Which makes... It, it, I mean, which is good, but, you know...
1: It doesn't absolve them of what they've done.
0: Right. Yeah, they never raped anybody. They never murdered... Or beat the crap out of these kids. But they put them through such a traumatic experience. Yeah. I'm trying to find a paper that talked about all the different things that the the, the 28 kids had m- mentally gone through. 26. Yeah. 20. Yeah. Like, tw- whatever it is. <laughs> I keep forgetting. Uh, oh, um. before I look for the other thing, I might as well finish telling you about Mike, the 14-year-old. Um... He's now a husband and a father. He does long distance trucking, and he has been sober for eight years, as of nineteen or two thousand nineteen.
1: Congratulations again to to you now, sir.
0: And of course, from the help with his families and friends, and he has a therapy dog named Blue. Blue. And they show Blue. And Blue. <laughs> blue is Blue. A like almost blackish brown. It looks like a St. Bernard, but black and brown. Yeah. And blue is very cute. And of course, blue goes everywhere uh, Mike goes. Jennifer uh, became a mom, a mother. She's an executive assistant. And only in the last few years has she been able to sleep with the light off.
1: It's still kicking ass though, like taking names, making business.
0: Oh, um, all right. Um,. I have it jotted down kind of in another spot. But many of the victims, of course, suffered a lot of the same things. You know, with no therapy at the time. Uh, panic attacks. Uh, you know, all the way till this document in, in 2019. Yeah. Panic attacks, depression, substance abuse, um, and of course, severe claustrophobia. I was, that's the main thing. I was, Gee, I, I wonder why. You. So, now Ed, Ray... <laughs> he died at age 91 in May of 2012, and there is a park in their town named Edward Ray Park.
1: Oh, good. He deserves it.
0: I think that is the whole story then. So, with that said, you may now go to the show and tell, to see some pictures. Let me know when you get there. Okay, so what do you see?
1: Yay! I'm here. All right.
0: The first picture Uh, that you see see is of the bus, and there's writing on it. Well, during one of the shows, they had several of the women go to the actual bus, and they got on the bus for for that bus, because after that, they used a totally different bus for school, but uh, they got on that bus, and they talked about the incident and, and everything, and then afterwards, since it was after Ed had already passed away they all wrote notes to ed on the bus so can you read some of them i mean there's only really two that's pictured here but
1: oh oh all the way down here got it uh god is good all the time love you ed ray edward you will be forever my hero love
0: and the next one up
1: got it it's like it it almost looks like a ice cream truck One of the things
0: I forgot to talk about is that because of all the dirt that was on this truck, it started caving in too. Oh my goodness. So inside, the kidnappers had actually had two by fours to try and frame out the middle parts of the truck because when they were getting the truck ready, it had already started to cave in. So they knew that there was a problem there.
1: So see, my thought is, even if you can't get them on intentionally hurting the children for like bodily harm you put the children in harm's way and i feel like that should be something that you could get them on
0: and i believe it is now but back then Mm. i don't think it was but now i'm i'm almost definite that that states have that kind of a you know a scenario okay but i mean look at that truck uh, it
1: looks smashed.
0: Yeah. That's like, Hulk it came was...
1: through and smashed it.
0: Yeah. Okay, the next one. See the kids? Yeah. They are wearing their white um, overalls in that one. And they're at the jail.
1: Oh, and then I see Larry Park. He's a cute kid. He's sweet. Jennifer Brown getting off the bus.
0: Yeah, and if you see her and the people behind her all wearing the white stuff. Mm. The inside of the truck. Now, do you see the su- two sides where he said that over the wheel well, they,
1: yeah. they made
0: like toilets? Yeah. And then in the background, you can see the mattresses piled up. And of course, the inside of the cave coming in, or the top coming in. And the next one?
1: And the next one? Oh, it's the hole.
0: hmm
1: Yeah, that's a really thin hole.
0: Mm-hmm. And it, I don't believe it was all completely uncovered when the kids finally came out of it. The police and stuff had pulled it off to uncover it. But yeah, that is the hole coming from the trailer to up to the box and then from the box outside. That is the that is the hole they had to climb out of. And then it's like if you scam down back to the truck, it's like, "Damn," you know? Just damn. Yeah. They really had to work at getting out. Next one. Um
1: I see Ed Ray. Yep. And then the school bus found.
0: Right. You see how they were saying that the the weeds and stuff came Higher than the school bus. Yeah. That's not trees. Those are all weeds, even behind the bus. Crap. So, yeah, it was hidden pretty well. So, what do you think? Any comments? Any comments on pictures or the story?
1: Um, I wish people would leave kids alone. Yeah, that would be but, nice. But, uh, I think you did really well. I felt like there was a lot of information and you presented it really well.
0: Not too bad, considering I just saw this Sunday night.
1: <laughs> yeah. You got real excited for it.
0: Yeah, I even texted like, we are recording this week, right? <laughs> I just, it was one of those that I never really heard of, but apparently at the time it was national news. And then even in the YouTube stuff where it does clip, little clips and and everything, the TV anchors were like, why didn't we ever hear of this story? You know, when it's the parole time of, of some of these guys and they're like, we've never heard this, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's such a huge thing. Anywho, that's my story.
1: Well, thank you for sharing. I had a great time.
0: Are you sure? Yeah, I did. Uh, okay.
1: I'm sorry if I sound sarcastic. I promise I'm not. <laughs> I mean, I am, just not in this moment.
0: <laughs> well, I'm glad you had a good time.
1: Me too. Um, I really liked it. It felt like it had a lot of substance.
0: It went on a little longer than I wanted it to, but... There were just, like, so many things. And I usually don't go into details about the bad guys too much at all. But yeah, the whole situation is, like, mind-boggling. I, I just, I couldn't ignore it.
1: Because he, like, literally walked up and was like, all right, this bus and these kids are mine now. Yeah. In the middle of the day.
0: Yeah, In the middle of nowhere, though, unfortunately.
1: I mean, yeah.
0: But still. Thank-
1: well, thank you all for listening. Thank you for sharing, Mama.
0: You're welcome. And I'm wondering if maybe sometime you will do a story on the one subject I keep asking about? Do you remember?
1: Yeah, but I'm thinking I might want you to do it. Me? Yeah, because I'm really liking your storytelling, and you're getting better and better with each one, and I'm just really liking sitting here and listening to you. It's like you're telling me a bedtime story. Just... It's actually happened, and that makes it scarier,
0: so it works, right? Well, and they do survive, so maybe take something from that. Yeah. Maybe we should have called our uh, our, our podcast, uh, You Think You Had a Bad Day? <laughs> <laughs>
1: right? <laughs> That's funny.
0: I've also been thinking about um, talking about serial killers or, or other known things but they wouldn't it'd be the complete opposite of this (laughs) right because i like sometimes i feel like i want to call you up and say hey do you know this story and had you know (laughs) but all right so i hope you enjoyed it and i will see you or hear you next week all right all right bye, bye everybody bye thank
1: you for listening to my mom's podcast what didn't kill me You can find us at club. You can also find links from our social media there as well. And remember, What Didn't Kill Me makes a great podcast. Bye. Bye, everyone.